Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Thank you for joining us uh, for the Practical Preservation Podcast. Um, Today we have uh, Adventures in Preservation, um, and Adventures in Preservation was founded in 2001 by two women with a great love of historic buildings and a strong desire to travel and understand the world. While perusing the travel section of the Boulder Bookstore, the volunteer vacation section suddenly brought everything into focus. Judith Broker combined her goal of saving historic buildings with the concept of expert experiential travel and created adventures in preservation's hands-on preservation vacations. Work started on several sites in the U.S. and as the words as word spread, requests for help began to pour in from around the world, underscoring the great potential of using volunteers to restore historic buildings. While supporting community-based preservation initiatives, I, is it, is it AIP? Is that what you say? Yeah, AIP AIP. staff and volunteers discovered that their love of old buildings could translate into environmental and economic sustainability for communities. In 2019, we're working with communities in Virginia, Montana, Scotland, and Armenia. Founder Judith Broker is a materials conservation specialist with both research and hands-on experience gained at historic structures in the United States and abroad. Judith holds a degree in Asian studies along with a master's degree in history with an emphasis on historic preservation. She is also the program director of AIP and responds to all requests for preservation assistance. She also works with community members to fully develop each project. For her, nothing is better than exploring a historic building with camera in hand. So thank you for joining us, Judith. Well, thank you for having me. And I, I, I I, I spent some time on your website preparing for this and I was I was excited I was thinking I don't know if I could talk my husband into going to work for vacation oh yeah well there it just takes a certain kind of person some people think we're crazy and other people love it so (laughs) it goes both ways yes how um how did you get started in preservation well I had another degree actually in public health and I I it was okay but I wasn't really enjoying it And then suddenly in the mail, I got this um, sort of a newsletter from the National Trust. This was in the mid-1980s, talking about this new upcoming field of historic preservation. And as I read, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I love this. This is exactly what I'd like to do. So I went back and got another degree, but um, took me where I wanted to go. 
Oh, that's that's exciting. That yeah, I think I the the more I do these interviews, the more I find that people are coming into preservation, usually as a second career, um, and that that might be changing now with some some of the younger people that have been exposed right. to the programs. But okay. uh, that's what I've been I've been noticing that that common theme. And so, we do have students who come who are in other fields, but want to see what preservation is all about. And they come to our projects and then sometimes do change majors. So some of them are figuring it out younger than I did. Yes. Yes. So um, why, why, uh, why did you start your business or, or what, what prompted you to, to start, to start the program? Uh, I had a job in preservation and worked in an office and, uh, all the men got to go out in the field and see the old buildings and do the work, take the photos, and then they would come back and put it on my desk, and I wrote the report. And although I didn't mind doing that, I thought, hmm, I really want to be out in the field and learning and seeing all these buildings and sites. So um, as you said in the introduction, I also had a part-time job at the Boulder Bookstore and when I started going through the volunteer vacation section, I just thought this would be so perfect. You get to travel, you get to save buildings and learn skills. So that's how it all started. Yes, yes. And, and, and that, that sounds exciting to me, too. Um, the, um, were you doing mostly like documentation of buildings in, in the, in the, in, when you were writing the reports? Is that what your primary, primary focus well, was? My boss actually sort of went from beginning to end. We do the documentation and then actually do the restoration, preservation work, conservation work, whichever word you like. And it was, it was really, the projects were so interesting, but I really wanted to be more involved, you know, hands-on. Yes, yes. So, so tell me about the program. Uh, so the way our projects are set up, we have a page on our website that says nominate a project and we get really good requests and unfortunately we can't take them all. But um, if the project that's being requested seems feasible in the sense that it makes a good learning experience for our uh, volunteer teams and uh, there's funding and, you know, a few other things. Uh, we have a, need a strong local partner. Then we will accept uh, the project. And each project is set up like a volunteer vacation where people register and they pay a set fee. It covers their food, lodging. We always take excursions, you know, to visit all the fun sites in the area. And it covers their training and materials and tools and all that. So for one fee that we try to keep as low as possible, people can come for a week or two weeks and learn skills and actually do the work. Do you do the training on site then? When Yes. Okay. Yeah. We have an expert in whatever particular uh, skill or whatever that we are going to handle and that you don't you can you don't need any experience to come and attend our projects and you get trained by the expert and then that person also oversees us as we do the work to make sure it's being done well 
And uh, that was actually my next question. Were there any skills or requirements um, for for your for your volunteers? And I one thing that I noticed on the website was that it was mostly focused on like one skill for the week, which I think is manageable rather than right. trying to to do, you know, trying to train a bunch of people to do a bunch of different things. Right. At the most, we'll have maybe two main uh, tasks that we need to get done. But uh, the groups tend to be maybe between five and 15 people because we want people to have the opportunity to always be in there and working and not standing back and waiting. And so the groups can't be too large. Right, uh, you right. know, so each expert can handle maybe 10 to 15 max and allow everyone to participate and really go home with some new skills and a really great experience. Are the ba- the backgrounds of the people that, that come to volunteer, are they like historic homeowners or are they, are they professionals, like preservation professionals? What? It's such a variety. Okay. We do have historic homeowners, and we do have professionals. <clears throat> um, we have students, our you know early career uh, folks, and then uh, the retirees who like to travel and try something different. We have a fair number of from that group. So I like it because it's really a wonderful mix of ages and experience. And some people are there just because they like to travel, not so much for the skill learning, but um, we all have a great time. Yes, that, that sounds that that sounds like a, a learning experience all around. Right, right. Yeah. How, how do you choose your projects as they come in and people you know, are pitching their project to you? What what determines, you know, what what project gets selected? Right. Um we need a really strong local partner because usually there isn't enough funding for us to be flying or driving or whatever, traveling back and forth to the site. And so there's a lot of prep work and we do depend on the local organization or individual that we partner with to help with a lot of uh, the organizational work, setting things up. So that's important. And like I mentioned, we really uh, look for a good uh, learning experience. So it needs to be something that's interesting, fun, useful for the volunteer teams to learn. And sometimes when, you know, it's just up to me or we have there, you know, other factors are equal. We pick a place that we think would just be great to travel that we haven't been before. And, and, and also the need of the community, that I should say is quite high on the list of criteria. Yes. And and I would think, though, that the attractiveness of where, where to travel to is important, especially for... Um, getting people that want to go. Right. And I I will say it's so subjective because, you know, project requests come into me like from Albania and I'm like, oh, that is so cool. You know, I would never go there otherwise. But then it almost limits the numbers who will sign up because people are a little afraid or, you know, that sort of thing. So eh, we just try different locations and and see what people want. Or put out, we do put out questionnaires sometimes to say, where would you like to travel? Some feedback, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So 
what what do you wish that you knew when you got started that you know now? Uh, what do I wish I still knew now that I don't know now? <laughs> uh, we started this, you know, strictly from the love of old buildings. We were preservationists. We had no business skills. And, you know, a nonprofit is a business like any other business. And that is where we struggle the most um, is just running a business because we did not know how to do that and uh, still still do struggle with that a bit. And um, that's, that's probably the main thing. You just, I didn't have any idea what all was involved, but you learn as you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true a lot of times in the trades. People, you know, go, go into business for themselves and they're really good at their craft, but they're not necessarily right. good at the business side. You're right. <laughs> And fundraising for us is always the biggest, biggest problem. The field of preservation isn't necessarily that well funded. It's very competitive. And so we're trying to be creative and point out, you know, what a good educational experience it is, how it helps the economy of the communities we work in and that sort of thing. But fundraising is a huge challenge. Is um is the majority of your fundraising, is it grants or is it like small donors, individual donors? We try it all. We okay. do have some small donors. We go for grants and uh, we do try to get corporate sponsors. But some of our locations like Armenia and Albania and those kind of places, it's hard to get a corporate sponsor because it's totally outside of their realm of where they work and where they want their ni- name put out there. So. Yeah, we're trying to just figure out the best way to put it all together and yeah. be funded, and we're still working on that. Yeah. That that I, I can imagine that would be a challenge, but having a wide variety of you know a wide a wider base is better than better than trying to do it all from one one source. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and also we don't necessarily want to go back to the same location every time, and the communities that need us are often in places where the corporations you know, don't care so much because they're not involved there. Right. Yeah. So we haven't quite come up with the answer, but we keep going. So is, would you say then that, that the fundraising is your biggest challenge with, when, with yes. the program? Absolutely. Yeah. So how, how can, um, how can someone, um, how can someone uh, help, help um, and get involved? Well, you can get involved at several levels. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can register to come to a project, and that uh, could be the most fun way to be involved. And we also do have uh, volunteers on our staff that have certain skills that we need, you know, like an accountant who volunteers. And we're always, always, as I mentioned, looking for people who actually know how to write grants and that do fundraising that are willing to, if not do it for us, then, you know, teach us or work with us. And we also, there's um, several people who will go talk to university classes in their communities so they don't have to travel to do it. They are just supporters of ours and they like what we do and they spread the word for us. 
So okay, so you can you can travel, you can do some things local, yeah, or you can you can offer your talents. And I'm right. sure you, I'm sure you accept money too. <laughs> oh you, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so right. how I don't how know can, what to do with your money? We will put it to good use. <laughs> <laughs> how can how can our uh, listeners get in contact with you? Uh, you can go to our website, adventuresandpreservation.org, and there's a contact us page. Or you can just email me, and do you want me to spell it out? Or uh, Sure, and I'll make sure it's on our website, too, so people oh, okay. can find you. So you can just email me at jbroker at adventuresandpreservation.org, spelled J-B-R-O-E-E-K-E-R. Okay. And oh, you can always call the phone number on our website as well. So if you don't, you know, if it's e- sometimes it's easier just to call and ask questions, and that's fine too. Definitely. Um, of the the uh, volunteer opportunities you have for the for this year coming up, are any of them full, or are there still opportunities for the travel? Uh, none of them are totally full. Okay. In Scotland, one week is full, but then we have a second week. So we have a project in Montana, which is just starting. It's at this amazing ghost town, and uh, that still ha- it's about half full. And then we have a project we do every year in Virginia that's half preservation and half archaeology, and has now gotten into drone technology and really some interesting things. And that has space. And then we have our Armenia project, uh, again, maybe half full or a little more, and two projects in Scotland, one at a a historic bridge at the site of a castle and another in a historic glass house or greenhouse that we're working on. So I was just thinking, are there any age requirements or or do you allow children? Well, really, it's not anything most kids would be interested in we are our requirement is 18 and older okay but if there are high school students or some occasionally junior high you have to come with a parent or guardian unless you're almost 18 and parents sign waivers and such so occasionally we do have high school age but for the most part it's 18 and over okay very good well, I thank you so much for for sharing your program with us. I think that sure. I think that people will be will be interested to hear about it. I I kind of just stumbled upon it looking online, so I'm I'm glad that I found you. I am too. I know we hear that a lot, even though we try to be on social media. And so, the more we can talk, the happier we are. <laughs> yes, very good. Well, thank you, thank you so much for for um for for speaking with me today. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.